Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, human being, beautiful podcast family. So great to be with you again. We have another amazing episode for you today with Bernie Taylor, and it is entitled Before Orion, Finding the Face of a Hero, Analyzing Paleolithic Cave Art from 40,000 Years Ago. I would highly recommend checking this one out on YouTube because Bernie has a lot of uh, images that he pulls up, so it kind of does a little bit of a slideshow. Um, People were very excited for him to release his work. He has done a lot of research, um, a lot of insights, so there's a few people that reached out when he had finally done it and were like, wow, we're we're so grateful that his research is out there because he's been uh, doing this a long time to come to these conclusions. So check it out on YouTube, uh, Matt Belair Show, and we discuss uh, Paleolithic cave art in the Gallery of Discs, the work of Joseph Campbell, the core story of the monomyth, the cosmic egg and singularity myth, the story of the cosmic writer and the connections between religious stories of Muhammad and Abraham, the disc art revealing a dolphin, horse, giraffe, bears, humans, and more, uh, relating the cave art to the constellations, and a lot more. So as I said, you might want to watch this one on YouTube if you get a chance, but you are going to get a lot out of it. He does describe what we're going through here. So I know you're going to love this episode. I want to thank everybody who has been supporting the podcast, um, time coding parts that they like, sharing episodes. If you like this episode, please share it on your Facebook wall or or tell your friends. Um, Leaving a review is super helpful. I want to thank April Ann, who entitled this one, uh, Vibration Raising and Mind Expanding Goodness. Matt interviews a variety of thought-provoking guests and always encourages his audience to expand their mind, push their limits, and be the best version of themselves. He is on the cutting edge and practices what he preaches. Love this guy. So thank you so much for leaving that review. I appreciate that. I want to thank everybody who is supporting me on Patreon. If you want to support the show, that's super great too. I really appreciate that. All my patrons uh, makes this a little bit easier. I love and appreciate you. Thank you to my sponsor, Perium. Um, If you go to bit.ly forward slash activate health, you will get a $50 gift card and you can use it on CBD and the best... um, basically supplement products that you can get they're in cleansing and health and uh, energy sleep immune system rejuvenation they got something for everything and it's all non uh, gmo best stuff that you can get um, dave sandoval was on the podcast and i'm at, and he's such a great guy we're working on a, a project for autism uh, the guy's amazing. So I'm still working with him and he's the founder of Purium. So definitely support him and his work and sync tuition. Just go to bit.ly forward slash gamma waves and get three free state-of-the-art binaural beat tracks you can listen to over and over. Uh, so that's it. For those of you guys who want coaching and you want me to speak, I am available. I got it again the other day when somebody reached out. They're like, oh, I didn't think you'd be available. I was like, yeah, you just got to make an inquiry. Like I'm not always available because I'm traveling around and doing stuff. Um, but if you want coaching, if you're serious about leveling up, if you 
have a business, if you want me to speak, if you want me to zoom in, just make an inquiry, matt at zenathlete.com or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and I will gladly help you to the best of my ability and share everything that I know about consciousness, techniques, um, peak performance, spirituality, connecting with spirit, wherever, whatever rabbit hole you want to go down. Um, you know, my knowledge is for you when we're working together in groups of people. So just reach out and uh, I am so happy to support. So I think that's it. Uh, go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list if you haven't done that. I've got some lucid dreaming stuff over there too if you're interested, if you want to learn how to lucid dream. So sign up for the email list, share it with all your friends. Um, and that's it. So before we get into this, let's just come into a powerful state of peace and coherence uh, within ourselves. So stop whatever you're doing and take in another one deep breath in through your nose with the intention of coming to a powerful state of peace and coherence all the way in. Hold that breath and imagine just powerful golden crystal platinum light pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being as you let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day, just allowing yourself to come to peaceful presence, taking another deep breath in through the nose, really connecting with this universal source energy and see the energy from the earth coming up, supporting you wherever you are and coming down from the universe, connecting you to spirit and grounding you on the earth, emerging in the center of your heart as you relax even deeper and let that breath out slowly taking in one more deep breath in through the nose and just connecting to peace and kindness and compassion for yourself and just think about the people in your life that you love and that you support and have the, that have been supporting you and I want you to send them love and energy and kindness and I want you to see you send this energy to everybody you've ever met just love and support and kindness and your best wishes and I'm sending you that energy now all of my support my love my energy my encouragement my inspiration my just well wishes just for you hearing this, all of my support, helping you remember that you're whole, peaceful, harmonious, connected to spirit, worthy, amazing, just as you are. And I want you to send that energy out to all the people you've ever met, your friends, your family, your enemies, every single person. And as you continue to relax your breathing, I want you to see this energy come back to you, magnified by all beings on the planet a million fold and just allow it into your heart. And again, I'm sending you all of my energy, my love, my support, letting you know that you can accomplish whatever you set your mind to, that you are connected. You are not alone. You are in a universal cosmic family. And just allow that energy to sink in, feel peaceful, feel present, making the decision to be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And if you like the podcast, you want to support it, just do one kind act today you know, before, during, or after listening to this, hold the door open, give somebody a compliment, pay it forward, let somebody in in traffic, send a smile, and that's it. So let's get into this amazing episode. Again, on YouTube might help because it's uh, amazing images. This is truly extraordinary. Uh, so stoked to have him on. Uh, let's get into it with Bernie Taylor. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. The hero's journey monomyth is at the core of stories worldwide among indigenous peoples, the ancients, and our modern society. Before Orion, finding the face of the hero explores a deeper route for this monomyth by looking at how hunter-gatherers viewed themselves within the natural and spiritual worlds through Paleolithic cave art and 40,000 years ago, from 40,000 years ago. Biological time author and naturalist Bernie Taylor 
proposes that select cave paintings are fundamental pieces in the human journey to self-realization. The foundation of written language and a record of biological knowledge are that irrevocably impacted some of the artistic styles, religious practices, and stories that are with us. He addresses a profound archaeological elephant in the room by opening up an uncharted place in our history, which points to the cultural ancestors of mankind. Before Orion will change the idea of who you think you are. Welcome to the show, Bernie Taylor. Thanks, Matt, for having me on. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get into this. Um, you reached out a little bit ago. I had a look at your work and it looks deep. And it looks very important. I'm familiar with the hero's journey, but not to the extent that I know you're going to cover today. So do you just want to start with a little bit of your background? And then I know you have a presentation for us. So just how did you get into looking at this and a little bit of your background? And then we'll, we'll dive right in. Well, that's in the presentation because we're going to oh, take perfect. the journey together. Yes, perfect. Ever. So can you see the image now? Um, so yeah. you just got to go to screen share. I'll let you know when it pops up. Hang on. Perfect. It's loading up. There we go. Good to go. We're, we're in. So we're going to face the elephant in the room, which is really facing ourselves. We're going to take a journey back in time to do this. And there's a concept. And in your work that we all have um, common feelings. We have common thoughts. We have common modes of behavior. Well, where does this all come from? And that's what we're going to discover today. We're going to take that journey. We're going to take the journey back to 34,000 years ago at Monte Castillo in the Cantabria region of Spain, this pyramidal style mountain. It's in the north of Spain near Bilbao. At the, at the um, Monte Castillo, there's the oldest artwork in the world that was recently dated, which is about 66,000 years ago, but we're going to talk about between 34 and 40,000 years ago today. About six years ago, a panel called the Panel of Hands in, in Monte Castillo, in the El Castillo cave, was dated to about 40,000 years ago. It became the oldest um, artwork of man at the time. And the dating was over a red disc, a red disc, this red dot on the panel. And people ask the question, well, what does it mean? Is it, you know, an ex, you know, is it, it's just a, is it a period on the end of a sentence? Um, is it some sort of symbol? And there was really no resolution to what it was. It also didn't make a very good picture. Um, and this isn't a photograph of that area with the, with the red disc. You can kind of see them down to the right. Well, the media around the world ran with the story. We have the oldest cave art of man 40,000 years ago in a Spanish cave. What do we do with it? Um, but they couldn't run this picture because no one was really, you know, jazzed about it. You can kind of look, look at it and see there's some hand, stencil hands, there's some dots. But it really, um, I mean, does it capture the imagination to you, Matt? Uh, not really. Well, I don't know not what's really. going on there. <laughs> So the journal Science, Nature, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, everybody had the same impression as you have now. So they ran with a different image from the same 
cave system. This is called the Gallery of Discs. It was taken by the Spanish photographer Pedro Suaro. Now, isn't that a cool image? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's much more interesting. And when you look at this panel, what is the first thing that you see? The red, uh, the red dots. The red discs. So scientists have spent many years studying those red discs. And this panel is about 10 meters across, okay? The red discs are, you know, three to four inches um, in diameter. So scientists have studied this thing. They've analyzed every bit of those red discs. They counted them different ways. And they came up to the conclusion that there's a lot of red discs, but we don't know what it means. Now take yourself back to 34,000 years ago, and a teacher, a shamanic teacher, takes his, his apprentice into the cave. He walks in front of this panel, and he asks the apprentice, what does the eye tell you? So I'm asking you right now, Matt, what does the eye tell you? What is the eye in, in those discs? Just eye and... I don't know. Are you talking about like an existential eye? Like the eye of me eye or like in this disc? Good question. But that's not an answer, is it? No. <laughs> no. So what probably happened was the apprentice did just what you did. Okay. He looked at the panel. He started counting the discs. He started, well, what does the eye mean? And what's the relevance of, it, of all this? And uh, just as the question I've just asked you. Well, the teacher, the, the apprentice probably stared at it just like you're stereoid right now. And thank God, I basically just failed this test of the apprentice, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he probably looked into the panel more deeply, um, maybe in tears. Um, and he saw something that he didn't see before. So when you now look into the panel, you're looking at two characters etched into the rock. You have a teacher character, this older man who's speaking to the ear of a younger boy. So when I ask you, what does the eye tell you? You're seeing the two, two of those discs are the eyes of the apprentice. And you can see the nose and the slightly open mouth. And then the teacher has this um, large nose. And you can see his kind of open mouth and his hairline on top with that, with that dark area, with the black. Mm -hmm. So you and I, are right now in this cave. And I'm the, apprentice, I'm the teacher of sort, the, the shamanic teacher, and I'm asking my apprentice, what do you see? So Matt, now what do you see? What does the eye tell you? Well, it looks like somebody's learning. Somebody's learning, doesn't it sound like that? Yeah, so we're taking a journey. Let's think about this now. We're going back 34,000 years, and we're talking about the same sort of concepts that we have in school today, and we have in, um, Spiritual training, which is your show. A little, little more shamanic um, nuance to it. The hairline of the teacher is cut from a juvenile golden eagle. So the golden eagle is standing on his shoulder. Kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like, well, I like it. Well, when you zoom in, I can see it clearly. Yeah. And so now we're looking at multiple characters. We have the teacher, we have the apprentice, we have this eagle standing on, on the shoulder. And this eagle, juvenile eagle hat, has down on its side. It stands about a foot tall. It's probably a June time period. This bird has yet to flown. So we can actually date this scene to June of that 34,000 years ago, mid to mid-June. 
Let's go back to our teacher and our apprentice. He's whispering in his ear. He's teaching him something. Maybe he's telling him a story, just as I'm telling you a story today and to all your viewers. What do you think the story is about, Matt? What could it be about? Well, if I didn't know the title of the book, I, could, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. But I find it fascinating right away that this is 34,000 years. Mm-hmm. 34,000 years. That's an extraordinary amount of time. It's an extraordinary, it's an incredible amount of time. Yes. So something around possibly uh, spiritual development in the life process. I would say so. That's, that's, that's the conclusion I came to by the time I finished the book. But that, that's not where I started. I started by counting the discs, just like everybody else. What Joseph Campbell said, that there's a hero's journey, a monomyth, a core story that's told um, around the world. And he said that in the story, there's an individual, an apprentice, that goes on a journey. And on this journey, he goes to a faraway place, and he has magical helpers and of course, in Star Wars, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and Yoda. Um, Joseph Campbell studied, I'm sorry, um, George Lucas studied Joseph Campbell in the making of writing of Star Wars. And of course, um, um, George Lucas is Luke Skywalker. It's, it's mixing up the names. Um, so J- Joseph Campbell said that there's, there's this core story, this monument, that everybody's fundamentally has the same characteristics. You, know, they might, you might substitute a beaver for a horse, or a horse for a, um, some other animal character. But fundamentally, we have the same story of this journey of going to a faraway place. And on that journey, you go to face yourself. Every time you step into the ring, you're facing yourself. You're not really, you're fighting your opponent, but you're also fighting your inner fears. How to beat, to succeed in the match, you really have to dig deep. You have to find that strength within yourself. No one, no one from the sidelines is going to say, hey, Matt, um, this, is, this is it. This is the secret. This is all you need to do. But you have to face yourself. And, of course, in the story of um, in Star Wars, Luke Skywalker goes into the cave. That, and Yoda says, you're not ready to go into the cave. And he says, what do I need to bring into the cave? And Yoda says, the only thing you can bring is yourself. Um, and then Luke Skywalker goes into the cave, and he battles with um, Darth Vader. And he lobs off the head of Darth Vader, and, he, and, it, and the mask, the helmet falls down. He sees his own face. And so really, Luke Skywalker was fighting himself. Okay. Hmm. And, that's a, and these themes are carried in mythology throughout the world, throughout, throughout all time. Um, so that's what Joseph Campbell came up with. And I was, I was vaguely familiar with Joseph Campbell when I started this work, and I wasn't really convinced. And Joseph Campbell would walk into these caves in Europe, he'd say, it's all myth. It's all metaphor, but he could never actually find the myth or the metaphor, only that there are common patterns in these caves, but no story. Because remember, we're seeing right now, that's teacher and apprentice, is the oldest image of Homo sapiens by at least 12,000 years. And the previous, image were, the previous images were small figurines, so we're not seeing any sort of setting. So we're pushing back time, humanity, by tens of thousands of years. Well, Joseph Campbell, drew on the work of the Swiss psychoanalyst, Carl Jung. Um, Jung said that this, this monomyth or this core goes back to our, our primitive self. And Jung had a dream. And in this dream, he walks into an older home. 
And as he walks down the hallway, the plaster comes, starts coming off. And he recognizes it's not the plaster from the home, but rather plaster from ancient Greece or Rome. So he realizes he's going back in time in his dream. And he continues down this hallway. He walks into a cave. And in the cave, he, he recognizes that it's a, it's a Paleolithic cave from a distant time. And he, he wakes up from his dream and he starts studying mythology. And mythology, mythology from all around the world. And he, too, he comes to this idea of this journey of the hero and the monomyth that Joseph Campbell expounded upon and made it more systematized. And Jung said that in the cave I discovered the remains of, the, of a primitive culture. That is the world of the primitive man within your, myself. Now, we just looked at the teacher and the apprentice and we saw the, the, the eagle on his shoulder. We are putting our minds back into the Paleolithic mind because it is our still our own. And that's the journey we're going on today. Well, Joseph Campbell and Jung said that there's archetypes. And the archetypes could be the teacher, the apprentice could be the old and the young, the hero and the, um, and the villain, the damsel in distress. But archetypes could also be like a, um, a cosmic mountain, the cosmic egg, the, the, the water of transition that we cross to the other side. So it can be many types of archetypes. These archetypes are all within us. And the archetypes are not just people or um, inorganic objects. They can be animals. So we think of a bull um, as an archetype, um, the bull in the room or the elephant. Um, and um, the, the lead mare is the horse and so on. And the wise owl. Let's go back to this cave, this, this uh, panel, this gallery of discs. And look more deeply. Can you see the elephant? Mm, I, I don't know if I, I clearly see it. I need an outline. <laughs> I can imagine. That's right. That's cool. Okay. <laughs> We're actually going to start with the elephant. We're going to start oh, with the wow. elephant. Now so I now you're going to face the elephant in the room. Okay. So when you were looking at that panel of discs before, you always saw the, the red dots. But now your mind is expanding. You're opening. You're taking the journey. And you're being tested along the way. This elephant has its trunk and its ear raised, as if in distress. And you cannot kind of see the eye looks a little bit grimacing. It doesn't look happy. Well, this was, this was the first character that I saw on this gallery of discs. And I looked at it and I said, is that an elephant? And right away, I started, you know, researching were there elephants. And there were elephants in Europe at the time, but there were different kind of elephant, the straight tusk elephant. It has a humped head. It wasn't this, this is an African elephant. So I reached out to a friend of mine from the distance past. His name is George Shallow. And George is considered the foremost wildlife biologist, um, field wildlife biologist. And, you know, right away, he kind of said, you know, do I really want to do this and so on. And, uh, you know, I bugged him a little bit and we worked on it. And we went through all the possible things that this could or couldn't be. And it was, we, we couldn't determine at that point that it was now um, an African elephant. But we recognized what it, it wasn't. About a year later, after seeing this elephant, my mind expanded. Um, and back during the three or four years of this project, I had tremendous um, spiritual and mental growth. Um, this, working on this book, changed the way I see the world. We're going to find another elephant. And this elephant has its kind of ear back and trunk down. Does this, this elephant look familiar to you? Well... There's lots of references like uh, Ganesha or just like a mother elephant, just a relaxed type. That's of. fair. 
That's fair. And this elephant is, looks like it's drinking water. You kind of see its tongue out and it's kind of in relaxed mode. But you've actually seen this elephant before, not just an original panel of discs. It's the same elephant with the raised ear. So it's flipped 90 degrees. Mm. So the artist, this Paleolithic artist, captured multiple perspectives within the same elephant. The artist is telling us a story. Telling us a story of an, of an elephant that walked down to the water. And in the water, the animal became distressed. Something distressed the animal. And this is a young elephant. So we're, not, we're challenging your perspective, aren't we? This is sort of like, remember the, the first Karate Kid movie? And he has, the, um, he has his apprentice. Um, to learn karate, he has to um, clean the floors and you know, the same motion. And then he uses that same motion to um, become his, his movements. There's multiple perspectives for the same thing. Two things can, one thing can be two things. Mm. It can actually be more than two. There are more elephants in here. But we're going we're gonna to move on. We're going to go back to this gallery of death. And we can see the elephants in the room, right? At least you see one of them. Yeah, I can see them okay. now. And if you flip your perspective, you can see the downward trunk. Mm -hmm. There you go. Kind of cool. Yeah. So we're taking a spiritual journey now because what you're doing is you're facing the elephant in the room. You're facing an elephant that you didn't see before that millions of people in the scientific and popular media did not see when they posted this gallery of this image online. Millions. And we're talking all the major journals, all the major news outlets. It's still up online. You can, you can Google gallery of discs. It's still out there. So we're facing ourselves and what we believe to be as truth. When I first started looking at that gallery of discs, I was looking for a horse. It's a 10 meter panel. The most prolifically um, depicted animal in Paleolithic art is a horse and commonly a mare. So I, I went out looking for a horse. I figured it's gotta be hit, something could be hidden in there. Well, I didn't find the horse till three years later. Can you imagine that? So I'm finding all this, I'm finding all kinds of interesting stuff. We find the oldest, we're finding the oldest um, people by um, 10,000 years. We find characters of people telling the story. We find the elephant. It's like really, but I still haven't found my horse. So I'm taking a journey as I'm writing this book, as I'm researching, it, as I'm taking all the steps. And we can see this horse is sort of leaping or jumping forwards. You see the raised mane on the back. Well, there's other characters in there too, and I found this one pretty quick. Um, we have a called the Mass Cosmic Man. You can look at his right hand is, is holding an egg, his raised high holding an egg, and his left hand is against the wall. He's kind of holding himself against the wall. He's wearing a mask. On one side of the mask is a bird beak. On the other side of the mask, you can see his eye. And at the bottom of the mask, you can see his mouth. And of course, he's male. He has one, his left leg is raised. He's right-handed, by the way, because he's holding the egg with his right hand. Can you see that? You can see the raised egg, see the raised hand.
I can't hear you. Oh, as I'm mute, I was saying, um, I, it looks like the le- from my view, it's the left hand looks like an egg, this like bright thing, but maybe that's. His oh, so yeah, it's, it's your left. It's his right. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, I gotcha. So his right hand is raised to hold the egg. So he's a, a masked man with a bird, with a bird mask holding an egg. And his left arm that's against the wall to your right has a feathered kind of appearance to it as if it's a wing. Hmm. So now we're like in, in, on a scale of, you know, one to 10 of sane to insanity, 10 being insanity, you're at 10 right now. Just if anybody, if you told anybody in the world that I saw a masked man holding an egg from 34,000 years ago in a cave in Spain that every major journal scientific journal has covered and the popular media is media as well they're going to say you're insane i get that frequently enough with most of the things i say <laughs> but that's okay so this journey just like in star wars um, luke skywalker does meet the insane yoda it's himself is is literally everything he says would be considered insane in our modern world okay. well he's holding the egg And my suggestion is that he's holding the cosmic egg, which is a story of creation, a singularity in creation that goes around the world. And in myth, we have it among the Dogon in Africa, the Norse. We have the Vedic people in Indu Valley, um, the Orphic Greeks, the Chinese. And this is Pengu from the the Chinese, which creates the the yin and yang sign. Um, And the ancient Egyptians, of course, the Big Bang. The Big Bang is a singularity, just like a cosmic, the cosmic egg. The Big Bang was founded by a Catholic priest, um, he, um, a Belgian priest, Lamanter. Um, Pope Pius XII came out shortly after and said, this proves creation. And if there's a creation, there must be a creator. And then scientists jumped on the idea. Um, and then they thought, well, if there's a creation, therefore there must be some, maybe it's not a creation, but rather something before the creation. And that's become the, the continued scientific work. But the original idea was from a Catholic priest. And Einstein said to him, your math is incredible, but your physics are atrocious. Um, But Einstein ultimately did come around to say that this fits in with um, my own work. And scientists then went on to um, more popularly come up with the Big Bang, which we, we we commonly accept as how the universe was created. But the idea is within us. Whether or not there is a Big Bang, or there are, some, there are many other theories about how the universe was created, whether or not there is a, was a Big Bang, we have that archetype, that cosmic egg singularity within ourselves. Are you okay? I'm with you, man. I'm you're loving scary this. either, Matt. I'm looking here now. And you're- hey, no, I love it, man. I get to sit back and, and listen. Just keep just landing like- on me. I, I yeah, can see the story. Uh- we just we, so we just we just passed the ten of insanity, didn't we? <laughs> I think I think it's all right. You know, co- commonly maybe not known, but uh, I th- I think I'm good. I'm loving this. So um, we credit um, Ecclesiastes um, to Solomon, who has said, "What has been, what has been, will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun." And perhaps it's, be, it's not because. Um, well, it's because we have these archetypes within us. We keep telling the same stories. We have these core elements that are in our being. 
Um, and that's why things keep repeating themselves. So there weren't cell phones 34,000 years ago and other micro technology, but there were other technologies, spiritual technologies um, and psychological te um, technologies that are still within us, that we carry. We remember the horse and we remember the cosmic man. He's actually, he becomes one with the horse. So he's riding the horse. He becomes the cosmic rider. Now this, you can see the, the cosmic man behind. And this theme of the cosmic rider is fairly common. Um, Muhammad flew a horse to heaven. Abraham flew in the, in the Islamic tradition, Abraham flew a horse between his two wives. Um, and uh, so many characters in Greek tradition, Belphone rides Pegasus to fight Shemera the monster. Um, in the Siberian traditions, the, the shaman um, rides the horse to the spirit world. It's, fair, it's a fairly common metaphor that's, that's within us. And it goes back to a very deep point in our time. The horse enables the spiritual journey. Now let's look back at kind of what we've learned so far. And maybe go to like 15 on the insanity scale. So here we have the cosmic man in this mask to, um, to, your, to one side. Um, and you can see his eye, you can see his mouth there in the bottom. Um, and you can see that eagles, that eagle coming off the side. And we can flip it 90 degrees and we find our teacher. The, ar the artist who the teacher with the, with the eagle on his shoulder, the artist created multiple perspectives with that eagle. One to create the mask and the other to stand on his shoulder. So the, artist, the, the shaman, this teacher, transforms himself into the eagle. He becomes an avionoid, from an angel source. The, around the world, people dress as birds in their spiritual traditions. It's, you know, it's about as common as water. Um, I believe it goes back to this time. It's how we reach another place. I'm seeing some tears in your eyes right now. Is that what I see? <laughs> no, there's no tears, but I could. <laughs> I've cried before. Um, okay. But what's coming up for me is just, um, you know, I'm going through Robert Grant's etymology and number, and uh, that's a full, you know, 10 or 15 scale into insanity as well. He's predicting we're getting at 50 new mathematical constants. Um, but one of the techniques that he shares among all this mathematical madness is to read and write forwards and backwards. So I can't remember who it was, but maybe Da Vinci wrote his, wrote his journal backwards. Correct. Mirror writing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So just things like that. So you're flipping and seeing another perspective. So, you know, the core of this is just the ability to see 90 degrees, the ability to see the opposite, the mirror or, you know, a different perspective. So this is, this is awesome. Exactly. And what I learned over the, over the years of writing this book was exactly what you just said, is that there's no right or wrong. Um, it's really no, it's maybe not even shades of gray, but there can be multiple perspectives at the same time. It's, and so the scientists who, who counted the red discs, they were there. That's what they counted. But there's also more there. There's a forest through the trees. So now we're looking at transformation. We see this another spirit. We see a character who puts on a mask. It's kind of walking along. 
And if you look in the right hand of the original image, you can see he's holding the egg. He's holding the egg. And his left hand, rear hand, has that feathered look to it, as we saw with the cosmic man earlier. So we have, we have um, someone other or other characters in this story. We're kind of moving along here. We're learning, we're learning that, about all the things that are possible. If we remember, actually, the previous slide, he was holding the egg in his right hand, as is this masked cosmic man. And we see his left hand of this cosmic man is feathered, which was the same left hand as you saw in the previous slide. So we'll go back. So we can see the back rear hand is that feathered, and the, um, and the right hand is holding the cosmic egg you can see in the original image. Mm -hmm. It's the same rear left hand that feathered hand. It's different cosmic egg, different mm -hmm. egg, but it's the same rear left hand. So we have, so this, our, mm -hmm. our man, our cosmic man is going on a journey. And on this journey, um, he transforms. Well, we're gonna go back to our time and place. We're gonna go back to Spain. And we're looking at an indigenous animal there, which is the Iberian lynx. And I tell you what, if I looked at an Iberian, I couldn't tell you between a Canadian lynx, um, European, Eurasian lynx, or Iberian lynx, but George Schaller could. George, George Schaller, my, um, my biologist friend, he's, one, he's not only one of the most foremost um, wildlife biologists in the world, he is the foremost big cat person in the world. Um, his, whole, his life has been tr spending time in the wild. Um, so-called wild with the with the big cats and when during this process of, of writing the book I would send him an email and he said you know I'll be back in two months I'm gonna be in Afghanistan working on cheaters or something um, and you know he, he he'd get back in two months and he'd respond and we'd go back and forth lots of lots of emails and it's pretty cool so here we have an Iberian lynx um, which is indigenous to what we now call Spain and if we look in the, the cave image we can see this kind of funny looking chin. What we have is a juvenile lynx, the kitten, is pushing up against the ruff of the mother cat. So our artist has empathy. Our artist is looking at animals as beings and recognizes this touching moment in the image. And when George came back to me, he says, Iberian lynx, and, um, and then he said to me, it's a touching moment. I'm like, I, I want to know about the biology of this animal because that's what I was working on at the time. This was years ago. And he, going through this and all, everything that we found in all the caves, he would always go back to the same thing that the, pointing to the empathy of the animals that he had personally seen in the wild um, and that he had recorded in his journal and many, many books. So we have an Iberian lynx. Um, and this would be, a, again, a summertime scene very similar to the timing of the juvenile golden eagle. So we're talking mid-June. So the artist is telling us a time and a place, as all stories are told. As we continue down the, the panel, we have a dolphin. It's a, it's a, a bottlenose dolphin. In the book, I wrote that it was two dolphins. Um, I'm not sure if it's two dolphins or it's spinning. Um, but for sure, it's a dolphin. It's a bottlenose dolphin. Kind of cool. Um, so the artist is, we, we're traveling to a marine environment. So we've, we've left the, the horse and we've left the, the lynx and the eagle. We're in a marine environment. 
kind of cool. Another animal in that environment is the monk seal. Who's got his head lifted. So we're down. So if we're, um, we're, we can't say at this point we travel which direction we're traveling, but we've gone to the salt water. And of course, if we have someone traveling to, to the marine environment, we have to have a swimmer. And it's a guy, trust me. Um, and it's kind of funny, inter actually interesting, he has a head bobbing up and down. His, his uh, forward arm is, is uh, also in movement and his, his left hand on top is cupped. He's got that kicking motion with his, with his feet. And for a long time I saw this image, I didn't recognize that he was swimming. Um, I thought that he was actually climbing because I only saw one, I only really recognized one head and one arm. So I thought he was climbing. Um, and then I, I, you know, I had a flash, I'm going to tell you right now, I had one of those, those moments and you know what that moment is because I've, I've watched, I've listened to you and I've seen your smile and I've seen you glow and all that sort of stuff. And in that moment, um, I recognized there was another elephant and the elephant, the other elephant swimming and I rec then I recognized he's swimming. And then in that same moment, I saw something else. Not this. We're going to catch that next. So here's actually a therianthrope. So we can mix that, the, that man with the, with the mass we saw um, earlier um, with the dolphin, and we can see he become, the two become one. Kind of cool. And um, we continue on the panel. We find our, our hero. And he's holding, he has a pelt wrapped around his neck. He's holding a club. And the pelt is, is of some sort of um, striped spotted animal, um, some sort of big cat probably. And it, um, it's a guy again. And he's faced in the opposite direction of the, the cosmic man that we saw earlier on the, on the panel. And you kind of put these two together. The dolphin is pictured lifting up this, this, this red-haired man. Which, you know, you go to SeaWorld, you can sort of see this sort of stuff, right? Um, in ancient mythology, it's all over the place that people interacting with animals, including dolphins. But this, this concept of us being friends with dolphins goes back a very long time. Um, it's a pretty big dolphin. So I, I've, I've considered really that it's a spinning dolphin because it's just too big. You know, it's just too big. Um, relative to the man, but he's being lifted up by the dolphin. And we can sit again, we're, so we're, he's, he's in a marine environment and we can, um, and the man is set just above the water. Well, in my moment, that, that luminous moment that I had, um, when I saw that the man was swimming and in seconds, I saw this, this character, the giraffe. I saw one giraffe. And the, the, the neck of the giraffe is made from the red disc to give that molten effect. And you, there's two giraffes, and the second giraffe is a juvenile, which has its neck wrapped around and under the mother's chin. When I saw this giraffe in those seconds in that moment, because everything at that time became like 3D. Um, and for about three days, I didn't need glasses. Everything was in, in complete clarity. And my mind rewired at that time. Um, so when I look at this gallery disc and other cave images, I see it as the cave artist did. Everything just jumps out in 3D. Um, and I, I emailed 
I saw this and I said, I emailed George and got a, is this draft? And he comes back and he confirmed. And I said, I got another draft. And um, of course it was the juvenile and he was just like ecstatic. And at that point we came to the recognition that the, the elephant is in fact an African elephant because giraffes were not, were only in, have only been in Africa during this time period. Um, I mean, maybe in a, you know, millions of years ago, giraffes were someplace else, but during this, this period, the gira giraffes were an African animal just as they are today. Um, but we, again, we can see the empathy. We can see the, the mother protecting the, the young giraffe, not just by the being hidden behind her, but um, she has her chin over the juvenile. She kind of looks as though she's sleeping or licking him or something like that, licking the juvenile. It's amazing. It's an amazing image. Um, by the, and by the way, all these images that we've seen, the lynx, the giraffe, and the eagle, we're going back 30,000 years, actually maybe 25,000 years before any of these sort of things show up anywhere else. So we're looking at the oldest images we have of everything. And when we see these oldest images, um, we're, we're learning about ourselves. We're seeing that um, we haven't changed that much in 34,000 years. Maybe we've, we, we, for a long time, we became more afraid of wild, so-called wild animals, and, but now we've come back to full circle that they're animal beings. And Jane Goodall says that we need to be kind to animals because they make better um, beings of ourselves. And there's another animal in there, an animal being, which is the Barbary ape. Um, and this one's really cool. And this is, the Barbary ape is now in... Um, Gibraltar on the southern tip of, of Iberian Peninsula, but they were introduced there a few hundred years ago. They're indigenous to the Atlas Mountains of Western North Africa, Morocco. Um, and at that time, Morocco was, or actually the Sahara didn't exist as we know it. It had huge lakes. And so there were rhinoceros and elephants and, and giraffe um, roaming around. There's still actually giraffes in, in the Sahara. But we have this Barbary macaque, and again, we, if you look at him um, relative to an actual um, Barbary ape, it, the arms and legs are the same way. And I'll tell you what, um, I looked at it, I said, it's kind of, it looks kind of like a monkey, I'm not really sure. I sent it to George, and right away he knew what it was. Because he said, it's the, it's the only ape that has that big butt. Um, and without, without a um, obvious tail. Um, so George knew what it was, like, right away. Um, that's pretty cool, our, our Barbary ape. And again, it, has, it actually has a, a look about it. It's kind of glaring forward. Um, it has a personality. And on that same part of the panel, we have a huge lion. And this is one of the early ones I found, and I pitched to George fairly quickly because he's a big cat guy. And um, if we look at the, it's, um, you can see at the top of the panel, you see the big mane, kind of a big mane flowing off. Um, and you see that nose. And then if you go down, you can see its paws crossed, its front paws crossed, its rear um, legs are crouched. Um, and I actually didn't see the full body until, you know, two, three months, two months or three months before actually releasing the book. So when George and I, we worked on this, we were working on the male lion who's being licked by the female lion with that blocked head. So she's nuzzling up to him, maybe um, greeting him after he's taking a trip. Maybe she's licking some food off him. Um, but this is an intimate moment. What's interesting about this is that 
his head's on top. And his head is on top of the panel. So he was, he was recognized as king of um, the savannah at that time. Now, there were lions in, <clears throat> in Europe at the time. They had manes. I'm sorry, they did not have manes. None of, the, none of the other images that are depicted. The African lion is unique to having a mane. And again, we have this, this empathetic, this touching scene, a relationship between animal, two animal beings. We have a mother bear and her two cubs. Kind of cool. And um, based on the, the kind of the configuration of heads, they're probably yearlings. It's etched up there in the top area. And there were bears in Europe and Africa at that time. There are no more bears in North Africa. We have a striped reptile. And the artist uses the, the dots to create a molted or striped effect. I can't say what kind of reptile it is. There's not enough information. Now here's a, here's a kind of a showstopper. We have a woman. Okay, so we're back to human characters. There, there, as I said, there were figurines of people found in, in Northern Europe um, about 24,000 years ago. Um, but now we're lo looking at something more deeper in time as well as much more descriptive. And when you, she has red hair, she's nude, of course. Um, she has red hair, it looks like though it's braided. When you look at her face, what do you see? How do you, how do you, What's your reaction? I feel like she's um, like older. So she seems like an older woman, but it's like serious, like looking just kind of mm -hmm. straight faced. Yeah, she's, she's grimacing. She's not happy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we can recognize people from the past with that, um, that grimacing look just as we do today. And when your dog, if you have a dog or, I don't know, a cat, but if a dog looks at you, they can also recognize that without the chemical scent. They, a dog can look at you through the glass and see that you're not happy. So this, this ability to recognize expressions is something that's within us that goes back to a very deep point in time. Um, the, now, I would suggest there's actually an older woman in this one we won't get to, but she's actually younger. And this is the reason how I'm, I'm going with it, is she has a stronger chin. And there's another woman, she has a, a sagging chin and she has strong cheekbones, um, and she has full hair. She has, um, but, but I, I'm totally, I'm with you on this one that she is not happy. So we're finding a story of an elephant um, that was not happy either, right? <laughs> we have a, a grimacing woman, we have a, a boy on his journey, we have a teacher and apprentice, um, we have the man who's lifted above the surf by a dolphin. We got a pretty good story going on here now. Um, we, we've all heard, we've all seen the characters in the story before. So we said that the, the, um, the horse was a European animal. That's let's at the top of this panel, the north, and the, the giraffe is to the south of the panel. We're going to start at A, which is a northern constellation, Hercules. Hercules is the cosmic man. He becomes, he transforms into the eagle, which is B, Agia. C is Lacerta, the lizard, okay? D is Pegasus, the constellation Pegasus, which is the horse. So the man transforms into the eagle, which then transforms or is guided on his journey by the now winged horse. 
they're, they're transforming into each other, theriantropes. And we hear these Greek stories of the centaur, the man, the man horse. This is where it's coming from. This is a much deeper root. There never were centaurs, but there are cave panels now that we can see that you have a mixture of these, these human animal beings that we became one. And we continue down the panel, we have E, which is Pisces, which is our bottlenose dolphin. So you can see uh, Pisces as two fish, they started as a dolphin. F is Cetus, the sea monster, which looks, which is the seal. If we kind of, in your mind's eye, you can go back and think about the, the, head, the body of the seal and you just kind of see the tail would be your, to your left. Um, and kind of that lolly, the bottom of the lollipop shape. Um, so Cetus becomes the seal. And you can imagine, you know, person, you know, swimming across the, the, the um, Strait of Gibraltar from Spain to Africa and he encounters in the night this animal that's making all these crazy noises um, and he says that it's a sea monster, right? Um, but he calls it a seal, but you can imagine the Greeks interpretation was they became, the Greeks were this, these constellations are derived. We, we modernly see them as derived. Um, they came up with the story of the sea monster. Sounds more interesting than a seal. Um, so we, now we go to G is, as, as Perse, is, um, Perseus, the constellation, the hero. Um, and G could be the, um, well, actually, we're going to G. It, you put G together with going down below it with H and I. You can kind of see G be, below the H and I there. H become, is the head of the elephant. Um, I is the trunk of the elephant, and G Perseus is the body of the elephant. So H is the constellation Aruga, and I is the constellation Taurus. Okay, so between those three, he makes an elephant. Okay, and then, so they start, so there are constellations that we inherited from the Paleolithic, um, and the Greeks made up some of their own. They created Taurus into a bull, whereas the, the Paleolithic artists saw it as the trunk of the elephant. Okay? And you can imagine, you, you saw those multiple perspectives of the elephant. We can imagine looking up the night sky and seeing him move around and you'd find that story of the elephant. Um, J is the lynx, um, which could also be another, um, it could be the lynx that's in here, or it could be another trunk of the elephant to create that story. So it's kind of cool. So just as we tell, we, we look to the night sky to tell stories today, people did it then. No, probably our first stories. Okay. K is um, Ursa Major. Um, which, uh, which were the two bears, the two bear cubs, the juvenile bears and the mother bear on the panel. L is Leo, our lion. So that's the lion, L, in the same spot. Um, M is Gemini. And Ge I, they, they use Gemini twice. They use it once for the, the lioness who licks the lion. And the other one is for the... The, the Barbary ape and the two bright stars in Gemini, Castor uh, and Pollux become the eyes of the Barbary ape. We continue down to N, we have Orion, our hero. But he's the hero on the southern end of his journey because we've traveled from Hercules in the north to Orion in the south. 
So they're the same character in the same way that Luke Skywalker is the same character when he leaves his home and when he completes his journey in the last movie after how many movies in between, right? <laughs> and uh, so they're, it's the same physical form, but we've changed in the process. And on this journey, we've traveled from Spain to Africa. We've stared at the red discs. We've been challenged. Um, we've learned about the animals. And all those animals that we found along our, our terrestrial path were mirrored in the sky above us. So as above, so below in the Hermetic tradition. Do I have a tear in your eye by now? <laughs> Not yet. I tell you, I get, I, I, <laughs> it could happen. Okay. I, get, I get kind of two responses when people read the book. One is they're in tears. The other one is they get angry. Because the tear, the person that, that cries is the person that's facing the elf in the room that we don't know everything. And that there are people in our past that were highly intelligent um, and, and had great sensitivity and empathy. Um, and that we carry those traditions on to the future. But the people that get angry, they just, they can't face the elf in the room, which is what we're doing today. Um, this isn't about Palatha Kabar. Um, this isn't about um, Joseph Campbell or even Young. This is about individually, every one of us, looking at what's before us and saying, we don't know everything. I'm not an all-knower. Um, and that we, there are traditions from our past that we carry on with us through perhaps a collective unconscious, as Jung said, or the mythology as Joseph Campbell said. So these myths are passed through the seasons of the night sky as constellations and stars, projecting man's psyche into the cosmos. Characters that are light years from earth, but still within the grasp of the human imagination. What I believe happened a long, long time ago, and I don't think it was tens of thousands of years ago, not even hundreds of thousands of years ago, I think it was deeper still. The people looked to the night sky and they saw Orion, they saw the man, and they recognized themselves in the night sky as that, that man. Man projected his psyche into the cosmos. God didn't make, a God did not make us in his image. We created gods in our images. So this concept of, the, of the, the, the being in the sky, in my view, goes back more distant than hundreds of thousands of years ago. And that when we saw that man in the sky, we started to develop our pattern recognition. That we could, we could see things that are beyond ourselves. And we could put our, our hands up to the sky and we could touch them. And ultimately, as we, we continue on this journey of looking at the night sky, we find, found more characters. And we found stories in our, in our real world. We saw, this, we saw the story of the hero as he, trans, he travels from Hercules in the north to um, Orion in the south. And we told these stories throughout time. And as people move throughout the world, they continue telling those same stories or the basic same elements of the stories. Um, and then the Greeks and the Romans and the Egyptians and the Phoenicians, and the whole bunch of the people in the ancient world went to these caves. Because this isn't the only one that I, I worked on. They went to these caves and they saw these stories. And they recognized components of the stories with themselves, but they went off in kind of different directions. 
so Perseus actually became Perseus. They didn't, they didn't look at Perseus as the, the body of the elephant. Um, they, saw, they took that as a person. Um, and they created two stories for Orion and Hercules. Um, but they found that same, that same monomyth, those archetypal characters within ourselves that we still identify with. And they, the, the, the apprentices or the initiates um, among the, ancient, the ancients probably went into these caves and were asked the same question that I asked you earlier. So Matt, what does your eye tell you? What does my eye tell me? What does your eye tell you now? Oh, well, there's, a lot, you, more, there's a lot more that meets the eye on that one. There's a lot more than meets the eye, yeah. yeah there are many perspectives. And so we're going to take, we're going to take a, two scientific slides just um, for those people who are still in doubt. Um, and there's a concept called precession that the earth wobbles on a 25,700-year cycle. Um, and as it wobbles, kind of um, your, the horizon over ch time changes. So stars that someone could see, you know, 10,000 years ago would be different than they saw 20,000 years ago due to the wobble. So they'd see more or less stars. So if this, if this image is really 34,000 years ago, we should be able to see some of those stars, shouldn't we? As a test of precession. So I ran this through a program called Starry Night Pro 7, which is the same one I used with the, the previous image you saw of the constellations. And so this is 34,000 BCE versus 34,000 years ago. 34, of course, 34,000 years ago is 32,000 BCE. So somewhere between 32 and 34, you had Orion just above the horizon as seen from the Iberian Peninsula where we had the dolphin lifting the man from the surf. He isn't way up in this, the dolphin can't lift him too high up in the sky, right? Because we seem connected, the dolphins don't fly. Only horses fly, right? Um, when, they, when they take on the wings of the eagle. Um, remember that, that's important. Um, so we, he's gotta be just above the surf. So between, 30, between 32 and 34,000 years ago, we actually have Orion just above the horizon. 36,000 years ago, these, so these are the highest points that Orion is relative to the horizon. So 36,000 36, BCE, you couldn't have seen the full body of Orion. Um, and 38,000 BCE kind of, you know, it's touch and go. A little wave action you wouldn't see his, his foot. Um, so what we're showing is that, <clears throat> what this image is, is demonstrating, is that we can actually recreate what we had in the night sky 34,000 years ago, and it matches up. And the image that I showed you previously of, of side by side the gallery discs with the, um, with the constellations was for 34,000 years ago. So it all kind of works, doesn't it? Um, so now we come back to the elephant in the room. We face ourselves because this isn't really about cave art, as I said. This isn't about elephants. It isn't about. It's about seeing the forest through the trees. And when we look at this, we have to ask ourselves a question: If we're typically single-minded, as most of us most usually are. I mean, it is what it is who we are. I mean, I'm. Um, it took me three years to find the horse. It took a year to find the second elephant. So I'm not um, any saint in this in this process. And every time I saw a new animal, a new animal being, or a new person, or a new scenario, I'm still seeing scenarios and pick pieces of the story. I'm like, you know, I get a tear in my eye. I said, you know, when does it end? 
you know, where, how many possibilities are there on this panel? And how many possibilities are there in life? Um, so every time I look at this, I'm really to come to face myself. And I'm coming to face not just the, my individual, um, but the collective self of who we are as a people and how we see the world. When someone comes out with a press release, they discovered this or that, or, um, well, I don't believe we were discovering anything, but I believe that most except in like microelectronics and so on and medicine. But I believe that these things that we keep rediscovering, these archeological finds and so on, people of course had made them and other people had rediscovered them. But they're, um, I believe we keep retelling the same stories through myth and architecture, through our art. Um, and I believe that these are all within us. Um, and so I'm continually faced with myself when I look at this, um, just as um, you are, as are your viewers. So Matt, when you now look at this image, what do you see? Well, I see a, I see a lot more of the story. I have a, an interpretation of it, if that's what you mean. But yeah, there's, there's a lot. And I think that one of the analogies I think of is, you know, you use the cave art as just a piece of information. Two people are looking at it from anywhere around the world, man, woman, old, young, it doesn't matter. And each individual gets their own perspective and it's correct. Mm -hmm. And as you get more information, you get more story. And that's evolution of awareness, consciousness, and growth. That's good. I like that. That's how, um, so I had tremendous growth throughout the, writing this book. Um, I started off by counting the distance, trying to figure out animals and things like that. But in the end, I wrote a book about psychology and spiritual growth. And the book is about, is not a, a paleoanthropological work. It's the journey of the hero. And today you saw about 10% of the book. I took some pieces out of it. Um, but it really explores who we are, where we've come from, and what is our possibility forwards. And not, this, is not being a, this is not taking a negative perspective. But this is what I see happening in 3,000 years. This is going to live on. Because you, it's now on the internet, it's out there, hundreds of thousands of people have seen it. But, you know, people saw the same stuff the ancient Greeks and the Romans and the Phoenicians and the Egyptians and so on, so on. And it became a story, which be, and then became myth. I believe in 3000 years, people can be telling a story of the, of the, the insane guy from Oregon who's staring at the cave art and he's, you know, in a bout with uh, the, the ultimate fighter, Matt Belair. Um, and he's challenging him with all these, uh, these images. And at the end of the fight, Matt realizes that the fight is not with his opponent, but the fight is really his own self-awareness. And there'll be stories like that are, that are told. Um, you know, I'll probably be taller. I'll probably have more hair or something like that, or um, and more fit, I'm sure. But um, this is a story that we've told before that, before that we'll continue to tell. Uh, a story that lives on within us all. Um, and I believe that this will become a myth when the caves are closed because, you know, environmental damage and that people can't see them anymore. Um, just as the, the ancient architecture in the Mediterranean has fallen. Um, but this will all be myth. Um, the myth of the hero's journey. Um, 
and people will have the chance to experience it again. And the, the work is, um, you can find more of my images and so on, on Instagram, um, Facebook, hashtag slash before Ryan, Twitter at Bernie Taylor OR, YouTube, my channel is beforeorion.com with dots spelled out. I use hashtag before Orion on everything. Um, and I see this as a journey of humanity. I see this as a participatory pro process. I had my own um, vision, my own uh, moment, which has um, influenced the rest of my life. And I hope that people, you know, watch this video once, maybe twice, show their kids, um, show their family and have them ask the questions and to think outside the box um, and think, and not just think, but go into the feelings of who we are. Because this is not about the counting of discs. It's about reaching inside yourself um, and exploring who we really are. Thank you, Matt. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I, I had thoughts um, the whole time that you're sharing it. And I, and I like that you came to that you know, ultimate kind of spiritual self-aware conclusion because that's really what it's about. You know, you came at it from a scientific perspective. You're looking at the oldest. Is this the oldest art known on the planet? Like the oldest or like up there? These are the oldest characters we have. It's definitely the oldest human, giraffe, Barbary ape, lynx, everything. Right. And so your analysis of the analysis, trying to decode this, you know, you go through and go through and you realize it's a story about yourself. You realize mm -hmm. that the message is, a, is about you and your own progression and it's about each individual human. So you can go down, you know, I've heard there's, you know, infinite paths to the way home. And that's kind of the story of the cosmic man or the awakening or coming above the water. And it seems simple, you know, it seems simple that it would be your story and then how you express through life and your own awareness, your own battle, your own elephant. Um, but, but very few people on the planet are, are taking that challenge or, or thinking from that perspective. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and there, as I say, there's mixed reactions, mixed reactions. And the only the only response that will come back to me that it's not there is how can it be true if we didn't see it already? So that's not coming to face the elephant in the room. Cause this really has, cause what there people are some, it's a small minority, but people are afraid that if this is true, what else is true and what else is false? And you know, it drives deep in, in, into us. Um, and that millions of people saw it, including me, I counted the red discs. I mean, I, I, I was there. Um, and I took, I took the journey. But it's a journey we could all take. Um, I believe that this will influence, not today and not next year or even five years or 10 years, but I believe this will influence education going forward. Um, because too many people are now seeing something that's there that was previously not seen. Um, and it's not what we see through our eyes. Um, it's, it's what we find within ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. And I, I think that's important that like with the awareness, you know, with getting like through art, art tells story. I've also heard art is, you know, an energetic portal and you have this oldest art and 
maybe you're not getting the whole message right away, but it's kind of seeding unconsciously. You know, even when we watch a story, we watch Star Wars, we, you know, view something like this, we view a powerful uh, piece of art. And I apologize, somebody's just decided to cut their lawn. Um, they didn't, I didn't put a live recording um, oh, it's good. Button, button out there. Um, but that's it, man. And, and I think that the important part is it's at your own hero's journey. Joe Rogan does a really great um, short on the internet about being your own hero's journey, but he didn't invent that. That's one of the oldest stories ever. And mm -hmm. so when we start to take responsibility for our own lives, for our own awareness, for our own consciousness, for our own growth, and you hit on some really important points there. Number one is we don't know what's going on, but what we do know is our direct experience. There's so mm -hmm. much, there's, there's, it's infinitely more than we don't know. It's not even comparable. You know, for the, every one thing we know, it's, you know, an infinite number of things that we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond imagination. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective of just allowing more growth, more light, more awareness, um, we're going to, we're going to create our own hero's journey and that's what it's about. And then also, there's a seed in there about allowing other people to have their own awareness without trying to force what you're seeing. It's like, mm -hmm. I see this elephant. No, I see a monkey. I can't see it. And we battle whether we see the elephant or the monkey when really, if we listen to that other person, we'll see the monkey too. We'll see the element and through collaboration together, we will have more awareness. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this is a great session. We need to do something else again. Yeah, hundred percent, man. You're always you're always welcome back. Um, I appreciate that presentation and your work. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Like, do you do you want to talk about anything in the book more more theory or, or some of your discoveries, or do you feel like this was complete? Because I I think that um, presentation was wonderful. And again, I like you know a lot of the people out there are very scientific and and logical. But if you pursue something to the end to mastery, whether it's art, music. I don't care what it is. If you go to the mastery level, you're going to come to a spiritual understanding of yourself and the universe. And I think that that's kind of what you've done here. And you're sharing that um, with people. And I think it's awesome. Absolutely. That's, that's how I came to concluded the book. So I finished my hero's journey and now I'm sharing my story. Amazing, Thank man. You. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, is there anything uh, so we, we got your website up there, but is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we close? Yeah, I'd love to do a documentary. So if you know anybody in, in uh, on Disney Road, um, send them my way. Well, the message is out there. I don't know anyone, personally, <laughs> but it's out in the ethers now, man. Yeah, it'd be a very fascinating documentary for sure. Well, Bernie, my friend, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing that presentation and to, um, you know, continue down your own rabbit hole to, you know, to share the discovery with everybody else. So thank you, brother. Thank you as well. See everybody. All right, guys, that wraps it up with the amazing Bernie Taylor. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Like I said, when he reached out and, and we put it on, there was a lot of people really wanting his research because he's been doing intense research for a long time. Truly extraordinary work. Check it out on YouTube. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. Um, if you like bits, you know, please time code what you like. And you can use uh, www.clipconverter.cc. And it's kind of like Joe Rogan clips. I kind of take an idea from that. But 
one to three minute clips. If you like the episodes and you want to support, just clip them. Let me know so I can make them into shorter versions, inspire people to have the longer versions. For those of you guys who want coaching, just hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or speaking or whatever. Um, I am available. I do answer my emails. So just hit me up because I've had a few people the last few weeks be like, oh, I can't believe you got back to me. Um, So it might take me a day or two, but I will get back to you. And I'm so happy to help, you know, you or your organization or your team level up. I come in on Zoom to groups, to book clubs, to things like that. And one-on-one is is my favorite thing. So definitely hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or matt at zen athlete. If that's something that interests you, uh, sign up for the email list, support the sponsors, all that kind of thing. Uh, Leave an review, all that helps. And thank you so much to my patrons. Um, You can support that way too financially if you want. Uh, Patreon.com, even if I can get a few people to give, you know, a coffee a month, then that really helps me keep doing this and I'm going to do it anyway. But uh, one will allow me a little bit more sandwich money and that's cool and I like it. Um, So I just wish you uh, nothing but the best in the world. I hope that you are doing well. I hope that you're peaceful. I hope that you're harmonious. I hope that you have good friends and family around you. And if you don't, we are out there and um, you're not alone and you're just being the example. So Before we go, I'll just invite you to come to a state of peace and coherence with the rest of the podcast family. So taking a deep breath in through your nose, allowing all the stresses, all the worries, and all the cares of the day to just fade away and come to peace and presence now. As you let that breath out slowly, just relaxing your mind and your body completely. Take another deep breath in through your nose and now connect to this universal source energy that is within you. And it's with all the listeners on the podcast and all beings on the planet, animals, birds, the universal life force connecting you with all things. Just connect to that presence, that feeling, that energy. Let that breath out slowly. Now take it another deep breath in through your nose. Connecting to that universal source energy. I want you to fill yourself up with love, compassion, and kindness, and think about all the kind acts that have been done for you over the years, maybe a family member, a friend, mother, father, just all the kindness and love you've experienced. And as you fill yourself up with this love, I want you to send it out to your friends, your family, your coworkers, to everybody you've ever met, to all the podcast listeners, everybody on the line hearing you, and I'm sending you all of my love and my support and my energy and my encouragement Am I knowing in everything that I am that you are a whole, perfect, harmonious, amazing just as you are and just to forgive and to be kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself and to be easy on yourself and to let you know that you are connected to spirit and to all things. Just send that energy out to all the beings on the planet, to seeing you touch the hearts of all beings here and just see that energy come back after being touched by all the beings and magnify it by a million fold and just let it into your heart knowing that you are connected to all life on this planet and just allow that in knowing that you are a part of this cosmic web so thank you so much for joining me on another episode and i look forward to seeing you in the next one